0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Time now for the College Football
2: Inquirer with Dan Wetzel.
1: I have a feeling at the end of the year, the committee is going to say we're only having a three-team playoff rather than put Cincinnati in. Peace. Demo.
2: It was one of those really fun Saturdays. You're juggling remotes, you're juggling what's up on YouTube TV.
1: Here's Pete and Dan. Uh, welcome to Pod Overreaction Monday. Get your popcorn ready, as Lane Kiffin would say. Nine ranked teams yesterday lost. Day was wilder than Urban Meyer at the bar. Oh boy. Yeah, I went there. Oregon, Arkansas, Notre Dame, Florida, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, the contract extension, Aggies, Fresno State, UCLA, and Baylor all lose. Now, some of those guys had to play ranked teams, but the whole thing shook up. We will get to what's good, namely Alabama and Georgia looking like they're steamrolling their way to an inevitable SEC title game clash and then probably a rematch. Or who knows? Rematch at some point. These are these are clearly the two best teams at this point. But other than those two, I don't know who you feel great about. A lot of contenders for those other two spots. Oregon still has a very a good path. Uh, they kind of had a mulligan after their Ohio State win. They lose to OT at, at Stanford. Pat was at that game. He's not on the pod today because he's flying west coast to east coast and we didn't want to tape late and we really don't like them anyway all
2: the swimming fans can can click off now go back yeah, to the swim there we know swim yeah. swam
1: updates he, yeah. he didn't the brook 40 snuck. did
2: get yes we like brook 40 she got honored at stanford that's why pat was there so good another good day for the 40 family and a good year for him
1: yep and good day for us we don't have to talk to pat so uh <laughs> obviously got oklahoma still unbeaten wake forest is unbeaten in the acc eh. See, there's also Cincinnati coming off the huge window, Notre Dame, and then lesser extent BYU and coastal Carolina. Like, could somebody sneak in? Certainly Cincinnati. Man, if it ain't this year. And happening. Oh. So it is the first week of October and everything is upended. Pete, your thoughts on the unpredictable Saturday we just had.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was one of those really fun Saturdays where, like, you're juggling remotes, you're juggling what's up on YouTube TV. You, you know it's a good Saturday when I need to consult Sam Cooper and Nick Bromberg to find, like, an obscure game stream because it's not on my YouTube TV or my hotel TV. I couldn't find that Louisville Wake game. And it was a great game and it was a great finish. It was on, like... Some bizarro ESPN Plus. The Bally's logo was in the corner of the screen. I was, I was just like, <laughs> is this one of those moments where like TV has passed me by, and I like don't understand it. And I'm sure like Nick and Sam are like side texting like Grandpa Thamel can't find the game again. You know, like they usually send me some like illegal Australian stream. So I do think it says a lot that a team that theoretically is the ACC's best chance to go to the college football playoff was on like a bandit like you know stream of some kind the
0: ghost of Jefferson pilot. Yes, it was. Yes, it was some kindred
2: <laughs> cousin Jefferson pilots new age streaming cousin was uh, was was where the game was. And again, anyway, I found it. It was fine. Like I, I I have ESPN plus like I'm not without ways to find games. I can find like obscure FCS games. You know, I could I can watch all our New England United games uh, preparing for Coach Lasso to start. But I uh, yeah. So anyway, it was a uh, it was just a awesome Wild, frenetic Saturday. I ended the night in uh, in Baton Rouge. I was at that nine o'clock kick in New Orleans for a for a convention, and went over there. And yeah, we can talk about that more later. But little smattering of booze for old Coach O from the good people in uh, in Baton Rouge. That was a uh, another tangible sign that the honeymoon is over. They also. Burnt many, many, many timeouts because they couldn't get their operation going and took an awful penalty on fourth and short where they had to punt uh, from midfield. That was bad, bad ball. Bad ball on Baton Rouge there. It's uh, not good for those of us who like folk hero coaches.
1: All right, yes, a million wild games. All right, let's start with the contenders where there's a whole bunch of them. The Big Ten. Ten. Iowa has a big win over Maryland on on Friday night. Penn State uh, rolls again shuts out Indiana, both Michigan and Michigan State win games. Again, Michigan with a a sizable margin of victory and a good show of force up in Wisconsin. First time Jim Harbaugh has won as an underdog. That was one of his big things. He was two and a half points by kickoff, and they hadn't won up in Madison a long time. And then there's Ohio State, which just absolutely trucks uh, a Rutgers team that I think uh, knew they couldn't compete. You got five teams. They're all going to sort this out. You know, I know Ohio State's got a loss and hasn't looked great. But to me, until someone beats them, they're still the favorite in this league. I'm still taking Ohio State. Your thought on the state of the Big Ten, uh, Pete, with with those five teams and all looking pretty good. What? we're going to see now coming
2: forward the next few weeks, the Big Ten epitomizes it, Dan, is we're just going to start to have some new, some some 07, more 07 vibes, some 2021 vibes. Iowa City is the center of the sport next week, which is great, right? You've ever been to a game at Kinnick, Dan? I have. Awesome. Yeah. Great town. Awesome. Great stadium. Great town, great yep. place, t- tight-packed stadium. It's one of those stadiums where the distance from the sideline to the to the players, is very, very, very short. And I really feel like Kinnick, I I assume, is going to host game day and I assume is going to be the big new kickoff. Like, Kinnick is going to be the heartbeat of the sport. And I just think it's great for college football when that blood pumps to places that aren't Clemson, Tuscaloosa, Athens, Columbus, Norman, et cetera. Like, that is... Yes, exactly. That is what makes college football great. I've been to a couple games at Kinnick over the years. They had a big Ohio State game there during the Tressel era. That was kind of like the game of the week that week. And I really feel like Iowa passed a huge test. They, they went on the road. They not only beat Maryland, but they just completely dismantled Maryland. And uh, the the notion that I think is really intriguing right now is, look, Iowa has had you know three other times probably under Ferentz. I think 02, 09, and 15, where they've been good enough to kind of rise to this top end conversation. They were excellent in 02. Um, they got out Iowa by Michigan State in 15 in that, you know, is there were 17 play, two fourth down drive in the Big Ten title game. And the difference in 2021 for Iowa trying to really puncture that high end of the of the national scene is that the, the the rest of the sport is lower, other than Alabama and Georgia, obviously. Like, that race for three and four, there's a really good argument for Iowa. You know, Iowa's one of those teams where every half dozen years, everything can come together. And it feels like this Penn State game, being at home as opposed to being on the road, that's a sign that it's going to come together. They are, I mean... Look, their center's their best player, right? It's Iowa. They, he's awesome. They have a, Jack Campbell, their linebacker, is just one of these, like, old-school Big Ten tackling machines. You know, they, Iowa has 28 players in the NFL. It's not like some, like, woebegone program that doesn't flash, but – Enough has coalesced this year. Ferentz gave me a, a funny quote. I called him on Saturday, and he said, Iron-, you know, we were talking about how Iowa has evolved. It used to be like Iowa Mad Libs. He's a former wrestler. He redshirted. He came as 220, and then he's our, the left tackle who's the first-round pick. And uh, you really start looking at the A.J. Epineses and the Noah Fants and the guys who've gone through there the past couple of years. They've had nine guys leave early the last three years. So this isn't the Iowa that, you know, even from 15, there's been a distinct evolution from that. And credit Ferentz, credit, you know, Brian Ferentz, the OC, Phil Parker and Seth Wallace on defense, LeVar Woods, special teams coordinator. Those guys have all been there for, you know, 10 plus years. Like there's been a consistency there. There's been results there. It's a staff that really is locked in. And I really feel like Friday to me was a declaration that this could be Iowa's moment. This could be one of those seasons. Now, Ference, he took debate enough to give me a quote, but like it's Kirk Ference. He wasn't exa- he'd gone to bed at 5 15 in the morning the night before. So he wasn't exactly like jumping up on the table declaring, We are contenders. But he acknowledged that it's a wild year and anything can happen. And, you know, every game's going to be a dogfight for Iowa. They were in a dogfight with Colorado State. Iowa epitomizes the new, the new blood.
1: I, I, it makes sense. I think, look, it's it, the Big Ten is in a position to have a lot of marquee games over the next month that we weren't expecting. The SEC, which normally has all these showdowns, a lot of them have faded away. Kentucky's going to go to Georgia in a couple weeks. That's an undefeated matchup. That, that'll be a really interesting game if Kentucky can get through LSU next week, which isn't easy. If LSU doesn't upset Kentucky, how weird is that? Yeah, if LSU doesn't upset Kentucky, there you go. That's how crazy this is. Alabama games falling apart. I mean, you're just looking at it. There's not that many games where you're going, oh, here we go. Penn State at Iowa on the ninth. There's a setup for a huge possible monster end of the month where you have Penn State at Ohio State and Michigan at Michigan State. No circle circling the Michigan-Michigan State game, but they both are, Michigan's got to go to Nebraska, and then they get Northwestern at home to get to 7-0, and and Indiana, Michigan State's got to go to Indiana and at Rutgers. They got to go Rutgers and Indiana. Doable, let's just put it that way. So you could have a, you know, that could be a huge Saturday in late October with the Big Ten with a bunch of playoff games where you're not normally getting that. And I think in the SEC, it's sort of like, well, maybe Georgia gets upset, maybe Alabama gets upset. Does it even matter? I don't know. We'll we'll see. It's it's just the the action right now is in is is in those Big Ten teams. Uh, Iowa looking uh, very good. Penn State dominant defensive performance last night. I mean, shut out Indiana. Great scene again up there. This team is it, it, you know only twenty four. Not gonna. This is an Alabama. It's boat racing you, but very very solid. Michigan going on the road. You know, everyone said, well, you got to see if Michigan could beat Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin hasn't turned out what it was, but Michigan wins 38-17. It's a definitive win. They controlled the game. They allowed 1.3 yards per carry rushing. They had six sacks and three QB hits and a forced fumble on Graham Mertz and Chase Wolf. They knocked Graham Mertz out of the game. David Azjobo and Aiden Hutchinson are really, really good on that defensive line. You know, still more to prove because Washington and Wisconsin haven't been what we thought. But one thing about Michigan is they play really hard for Harbaugh, which in what could have been a lame duck season, is kind of a little bit unusual. So uh, and and then again, I go back to Ohio State. I mean, they just killed Rutgers and Rutgers is not a bad football team. Very, very interesting.
0: 14 nothing before the
1: game even started. Yeah, I (laughs) I mean, Rutgers was running fakes and gimmicks. I mean, they knew they had no chance. So. Big Ten is 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 rocking. I don't know who's coming out of that. If you had to pick somebody to come out of that, who oh. who do you who do you got, Pete and Sully? Good good question, and I'll answer that. But I do want to
2: tip my hat to Nebraska, and I, I know it's too early to say yeah. something nice, but that was the most shocking score of the day. There were bigger upsets, but fifth the, the tenor of a fifty-six to seven win over Northwestern, it was like we went in the Delorean twenty years ago, right? Like that. I mean, nobody saw that coming to that uh, to to that tenor, and that Nebraska Michigan game has some juice now in Lincoln coming up here because that Michigan needs to get through that. In order to uh, in order to play Michigan State and Michigan passed a road test, but it'll be interesting to see a road test with what appears to be a competent offense that's finally evolved or evolving there. And uh, yeah, Northwestern's clearly got some issues on defense too. The uh, O'Neill hire at defensive coordinator looks like that's uh, that's gone a little bit sideways. So who will come out? If I had to pick, who comes out right now? Uh, I'm with you, Dan. I'm 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 going to stay with Ohio State just because of the pure talent. And when I was there in, in August in camp, they had so many good young freshmen. And all those guys are getting thrown into the fire and they're expediting their development. They're getting a lot better. I saw that uh, you look at the first two scores of Ohio State's game yesterday. You got Travion Henderson, who was the most talented back essentially in the country last year. Think of him as like a young Bijan Robinson for this class. And he scores the first TD of the game, 44-yard run, and then another true freshman, Denzel Burke, returns a returns a pick, 23 yards for a touchdown. You blink, and uh, and the Buckeyes are up 14 nothing, and that's just an example of some of that new talent growing, flashing, gaining confidence, coming. It's it's still a talent game. And Ohio State, in my estimation, still has a distinct talent advantage. So can I sit here and tell you, like, the defensive nuances that have changed now that Kerry Coombs isn't the uh, isn't the play caller anymore? No, I don't have a sense of that. I didn't watch that game that closely. But with that much of a staff, with Paul Rhodes there in the background, Matt Barnes, who's calling the game now, is, is supposed to be one of the brighter young minds in the sport. Like, there's going to be ways to figure it out, you know, for, for Ohio State and— you know, it's it's been interesting. This is the uh, this is really the first challenge schematically of Ryan Day's time there. Now he's there was some tumult. He took over for the games and Urban was suspended, et cetera. But when you really go through what's left on Ohio State's schedule, Maryland doesn't scare you at Indiana, isn't the same game it was last year. Penn State's at home, so you gotta feel like you're gonna have a distinct advantage there. You got to go to Nebraska. I, I mean, they, they've thumped them so thoroughly for so long. It's hard to imagine that really being much. They have Purdue, then Michigan State at home, and Michigan on the road. And by then, you've got another six, eight weeks of evolution for your program. So I remain bu- I remain bullish on the Buckeyes. To me, it's not like, oh, God, they don't have a good offensive line. Right. Like they, there aren't like huge fundamental flaws that that can't be fixed and evolved when you have that much talent. Sully looks pissed. What do you got, Sully?
0: Guys, we're, we're, we're crawling right back in the Ohio State bandwagon. All they did was crush Akron in a Rutgers <laughs> team. Like, what are we doing here? Iowa <laughs> has looked really good. I have a one game schedule. All I got to do is beat Penn State next week. And then they're Purdue. Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska—they're waltzing into the Big Ten title game. Yeah, it's but the Hawkeyes. That—that's the easiest.
1: Someone else is going to be on the field in Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, Michigan yeah. State, Michigan, Penn State as well. That—those are three tough games compared to Penn State. So give me the Hawkeyes, crowning them
1: after a Rutgers. I would just on.
2: gave. I uh, just gave Iowa a reservation for one at State Almos.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. There you go. SEC. Two big, highly anticipated matchups did not turn out that way, and I just feel like this is where we're going to get, although we did get the exciting Alabama-Florida game. But Alabama, Nick Saban moves to 24-0 against his assistants. The defensive performance they put on Ole Miss in that first half was just ridiculous. Rebels could have had a nice backdoor cover for a lot of us. You know, that would have been nice lane. Would have been nice, I'm just saying. Didn't have to win, but you could have scored one more touchdown. Um, but this was all this was all Alabama. That defense was great. I had a feeling they weren't gonna be able to pull up huge that's why I, I was all over the uh the under in that game. I just didn't think Ole Miss would score a gazillion points again. But uh, that was impressive. Meanwhile, Georgia wins 37 zip on Arkansas. I'm not even sure they they brought their whole team. They, may have just, they might have just been a skeleton career. I mean, I don't know what that was. Arkansas did not show up. When you can win 37 zip against the number, supposed number eight team in the country, and your quarterback is the law firm of Stetson Bennett, and he goes seven for 11 for 72 yards, oh. and you win 37 to zero. It's not you. It's them. 162 yards allowed. That's definitely you. Well, that's yeah. you, but they suck. The other guys aren't doing anything. That was just a massacre and then everything going wrong. Sorry, I can't hear you over my lone wolf howl. Could
2: you say that again? Oh, my lone wolf is howling yeah. so loud, oh, okay. I can't hear you. You're right about that one. <laughs> I saw that one, one coming. And
1: I'm never, yeah. I, I broke my cardinal rule, and I sat there watching the Alabama game. Rule one of college football game, like, don't bet against Alabama. And when I'm sitting there never. going, what?
0: Yes. Rule two, yes. see
1: rule one. And what do I do? Can I? Can I say something mean right now? I know we usually say
2: something nice in the place. I want to say something mean. Like I was, you know, in the middle of covering a game and making calls for takeaways. And I had like a five-minute rabbit hole of panic in the SEC. So I picked South Carolina as my lock of the week over Troy. And it's breaking all sorts of cardinal rules of gambling. Like I laughed at Pat last week. He picked mighty Syracuse as his lock of the week. They did cover gritty cover, as he pointed out. But like, why do you attach yourself to like these like bad team. So I I broke all the rules. So South Carolina Troy may have been the wildest play of Saturday. Fumble, fumble recovery, fumble, fumble recovery, fumble, touchback. I want to say something mean about Jamar Brown. He scooped up the third fumble, ran untouched, you know, a, a bunch of yards to the end zone, and then did one of those idiot like flip it to the refs before he went over the goal line. And at that moment, it was the difference between covering and not covering for South Carolina. <laughs> and I'm watching this play on Twitter, and I'm That's like, "This is why you don't gamble. Like, this is why you buy Apple stock. Like, it was, uh, it was just like the hardest bet on Alabama." Yeah, I-, I said that to the group chat at at some point. Like, Mother of Mercy, that was like an all time bonehead play. He's like, "Run to the end zone." Why would you be so anxious to get rid of the ball? Like, if you were, if you were, you know, this is your one chance to go score a touchdown. You're a defensive player in South Carolina. Why would you be so anxious to get rid of it? Just no practice right doing goal. it. It seems like one guy a year does this, and it's so punitive because then you lose the ball through the end zone, so it's not like you fumble it out of bounds and you can get it back. So, anyway, I was uh, mighty angry at Coach Beamer's uh, Gamecocks for a little there. But gritty cover, so all forgive. We went 4-0 in
1: our locks. Our locks
2: of the week were 4-0, yes. and, and we yes. all finished we had with a, a winning
1: record this week.
0: We had a, some buy more points than
2: others, but yeah. <laughs> oh, Sully propping up his own vol lock. Yeah, so Sully, yeah, Sully's like log. one in eleven uh picking the vols in his uh, in his time on the podcast. So he needs his moment. Hey, got the one this week. Yeah, don't we, did have list, one this week. we did have a listener parlay our locks last week. And they couldn't bet on Dan's lock, which lost because I think he was in Virginia, and you can't bet on Liberty if you live in Virginia or whatever. So, that, well, don't that, ever that guy bet went, on Liberty. That guy went three. Uh, he went three and zero last week. So I want to know. Uh, we tweet at us if you parlayed our locks because you know we, we you know we probably bought you a nice dinner if nothing else. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Like a nice ten dollar parlay, uh, four ways. That would that would uh, that would get somebody a
1: little. Uh, Little scratch. You can buy a new lawnmower with that. Uh, with that win, Dan, I could get a bad boy mower, zero turn. Uh, all right, Kentucky Wild Night at Kentucky. They have lost. Uh, they 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 beat Florida twenty thirteen. Incredible crowd in Lexington, not known as one of the great environments in college football. When they turn it up, you give them something to root for. They're there, Big Blue Nation. They know they support the team. Second win in the last 35 attempts, I think, against Florida. They had a 31-game losing streak for a while. I think it was 2017. Blocked field goal return by Trevin Wallace. 76 yards seemed to change the whole game. Cats are unbeaten. They've won four straight by seven or less. They're, They're sneaking through. They're getting it done. You know, we've been singing the praises of this program for years because Mark Stoops got it solid really has come up with an interesting recruiting philosophy a lot of ohio and michigan that get into the midwest and offer like the closest sec option to these kids and they just, they just kind of kept picking away picking away picking away we'll see georgia in a couple weeks again uh, lsu next week will be wild but it's still LSU. Right, thoughts on the Cats and Mark Stoops' program? I give Kentucky a lot of credit, and I am going to echo what
2: Dan said. Like the times I have been to big football games at Kentucky, that place is rocked, man. Like they want a winner. They, they, they would be a good candidate for small sample Heisman BBN because they the, Florida had fifteen penalties for one hundred and fifteen yards. That's just that, that's a faulty operation. And look, Dan Mullen's a good football coach. He's coached in a lot of SEC games. He's coached in the second most SEC games of any head coach currently uh, in the SEC. Other than, uh, other than Nick Saban, he's been the head coach in a lot. He has endured at Mississippi State and then thrived at Florida because his teams don't make those kind of mistakes, right? Like you think of Dan Mullen, it's a clean operation. And so some of the credit has to go to Kentucky because that was not a clean gator operation on Saturday night. Now, the fact that they beat Florida by more points than they beat Chattanooga doesn't exactly give me like long-term hope, but Leon right. Calm has brought them some offensive competency uh, as the uh, as the OC Will Levis has given us great viral material to talk about on the podcast. We're going to get to that.
1: We're going to get to it. We're getting to it. He also
2: just gives them like enough juice in the run game and enough pop. And yeah, that is a solid program. I mentioned Mark Stoops as a potential Nebraska coach on the podcast a month ago, and it prompted like a flurry of media in Kentucky being like basically buzz off Yahoo, like we're keeping Mark Stoops. But Mark Stoops is just a really solid football coach. He's entering the territory that Mullen did at Mississippi state where he's been a consistent have not winner in a conference where that's very difficult. And I do think as he goes on here, he's going to become more of a coveted commodity and it's games like last night, moments like last night. I don't think Kentucky had beaten Florida there since 1986, the bill Buckner year. So credit to Kentucky for just sort of, you know, building they invested facilities. Kentucky looks like a real SEC place. It's a it's a destination, and uh, you know, you you build for enough years and and grind for enough years, you get nights like last night.
0: And we're talking about a Kentucky program that has lost to Florida where they didn't cover two wide receivers at one point on at Kroger Field. So they didn't turtle last night and they could have, and they had nine stops in the red zone against Florida at the end of the game there. And gotta give them credit, man. That's that's stoops has got it rolling.
1: Yeah, it's no one's they're not winning big, like I said, four straight, seven or less. But they're winning. Don't ask how, ask how many. And and right now they got all of them. It's all that really matters. All right, let's get to this bit. Will Levis podcast hero. As we know, the Kentucky quarterback earlier this year, he's a pretty good quarterback. Wouldn't say he's great, but he's good enough. But uh, he made a lot of waves when he ate a banana, no longer ripe banana from his girlfriend's house. He ate the skin and all the peel and all. So he's back with the content. He's got the content going and we'll put out there. He seems to be with his girlfriend. I think this is his girlfriend or else he's urban miring this thing. I don't know what's going on. There's a young lady in the video, they're at a, at a diner. They do this bit, is do you drink your, your coffee black or not? He says no, and he proceeds to put mayonnaise in his coffee. Not sugar, not cream, not milk, not one of those little packets of powder thing you put in, mayonnaise, and he takes a sip. Now, we can't really see that he drinks the mayonnaise, and so I have my doubts that he would do this. However, I'm gonna say something mean. What the hell, man? You don't ruin a good cup of coffee with that crap. You had me on the banana peel, Will, but I'm not falling for this. This man is a sociopath, as Pat Forty once said. I'm concerned that he's out there influencing young people in this country. And I think we need federal legislation to do something about it.
0: Yes, I love coffee and I'm I'm offended. He's from (laughs) Connecticut. Uh, so I I think that's about as gross as Yukon's record, man. Maybe they're trying to bring in some more Midwestern talent, you know, like you brought up they love mayonnaise in the Midwest and they've been hammering hard, uh, you know, the the Midwest recruits and maybe.
1: I mean, it's basically an egg yolk with oil and then maybe some other, I I hate mayonnaise. I hate it on everything. I hate big Mayo. I hate that you have to ask for it to not get put on stuff. They just throw it on crap all over the place. Well, the last thing I need to do is order a cup of coffee and be worried they're going to squeeze some damn Duke's mayo in there. I don't need that. I don't need to be like, I'd like a black coffee. They always go cream and sugar. No, black, that's it, black. Just the coffee. I don't need to now say no Hellman's too. (laughs) So if I have to do that, I am coming for Will Levis.
2: I'm warning you, don't do this when nil was in theory and there was all the pearl clutching over what's gonna happen when these guys get paid this was what they saw happening big mayo was coming big mayo was coming for us and they didn't see it all the old fogies who couldn't didn't want change couldn't see change and thought it would break the model and people wouldn't watch no one wants to watch mayo in your coffee you psychopath
0: will levis well, we know which bowl Kentucky's going to already yeah. this year. So yeah. Is there anything more humiliating than, the
2: mayo bowl? when you're hungry and you're at like a gas station or an airport and you just want a sandwich, right? And the sandwich looks good. It's like a turkey club or a roast beef and cheddar. And you're like, oh, I would love to have that sandwich. And it's in like that plastic wrap. And uh, there's already mayo on it. Like there's already mayo on it. Like you're alienating potential customers. Oh, it's the worst. I hate I don't that get meal. it.
1: I, yeah, you get so mad you can't buy the. Li- it's already bad. I mean, it's not a good sandwich. Yeah. It's been sitting at the yeah, Sunoco. Yeah, but you need it, right? Just give me the turkey and the bread. That's what I'm looking for. Maybe there's a piece yeah. of cheese in there, some whatever it's called. Yeah, I. This is Big Mayo getting at us, going through Kentucky football, and now, now the power of Big Mayo is behind Kentucky. They're winning games, and uh, that that <laughs> I mean they do. They got a lot of money in mayonnaise. There's a lot of money, but they're sitting there going, "Look, people are eating less tuna fish sandwiches." When your stadium's named after a, a, a supermarket. Good point. Aisle you know, five. Yeah. Big mayonnaise is. Stay out of aisle five of Kroger Field, Will Levis. Now they're like, well, wow, boy, they, they serve a lot of coffee in this country. Maybe if we get mayonnaise. I mean, who would throw an egg yolk and, and, and like oil into your coffee? Because that's what you're doing. He didn't drink that thing anyway. This is. Just, yeah. I'm glad Pat's
2: not on the pod. Pat would be pro-Mayo somehow. Will Levis is his Kentucky homeboy. Yeah, yeah this, is, uh, this is good. This is our fight back to Big Mayo. Pat would have been pro this move.
1: Cincinnati walks into Notre Dame, does exactly what they want, 24-13. They win going away. There's a huge crowd of Cincinnati fans there. They're waving the flag. I mean, this was the greatest day in Cincinnati football history. I don't think. Uh, team's good. They were the better team. They've got a shot at this. I I have a feeling at the end of the year, the committee is going to say we're only having a three-team playoff rather than put Cincinnati in. They're just going to be like, Bama gets a bye this year. Uh, they're going to find a way. Impressive victory for Cincinnati and a great day for that program.
2: Yeah, I mean... We we all picked Cincinnati, right? Was it four zero for the yeah. Bearcats on on the on the pod? We unfolded the way uh, a lot in a lot of ways. I thought it unfolded in terms of like both teams had bad offensive lines. Notre Dame's bad offensive line and Cincinnati's very good defensive front, especially uh, my J. Sanders, who had the big hit on I forget which Notre Dame quarterback it was at the time because they rotated three of them in, but I believe it was Cone early, and he just threw up a can of corn pick. And that really helped, I think it was Deshaun Pace. Sauce had the first one on the goal line, which was a terrible throw by Cone. Uh, Also under pressure, too. So those big moments caused by Cincinnati disrupting and Notre Dame's porous offensive line really helped change the game and set the tone. And I really think it was important for Cincinnati that they not only won, they were up 17, nothing at halftime. Like nobody could watch that game and think there was anything fluky about Cincinnati. Look, Notre Dame has Kyle Hamilton. He's excellent. But Cincinnati had the better defensive secondary. They had the more dominant defensive line and they had the best quarterback by far and away. Uh, Desmond Ritter did not play well early or this game could have been worse. He was not accurate. I think he started something like 5 of 12. He looked a little skittish. Stuff was going high. But, man, that last drive, when he hit Lenny Taylor, the tight end, over the middle, like when it mattered, when, when Notre Dame kind of came back, look, it's Notre Dame, it's home. How many times have you seen Notre Dame win that game? Like, it's a the game oh, they oh, should man. win. They struggle for a first times. half. Like,
1: they won yeah. 26 it, straight home games. I mean, there's a reason. Correct.
2: And Desmond Ritter put his foot on Notre Dame's throat simply said and he ran it in the end zone at the at the end to put the game out of reach and winning by double digits psychologically is going to be mean a lot for Cincinnati when things get when they're cutting up the jalapeno cream corn in uh in the Grapevine Marriott or wherever the heck that the CFP goes every year that's going to be a really important that it wasn't like a game last control. Second game goal. game control they, yeah, had they had game, game control, control dan
1: this was Cincinnati's they'll last... They'll find something else, though. Yes, they'll
2: make up a new metric. But this was Cincinnati's last big stage. They have SMU still. They have a couple road AAC games. It It is unfortunate for their cause that UCF just kind of stinks. UCF lost to Navy yesterday.
0: Yeah, which They're is a classic
2: Like head coach who hasn't played Navy, though. But that's like, the, you know, you need so much to happen if you're, if you're Cincinnati. And, and some of it has already happened. They had two great road showcases. But then... It becomes like, how do you control the, you know, the things you can't control? And that's what the rest of the schedule looks like. That's tricky. Like, there's no marquee team in the AAC to play them in the title game that's really going to matter. Like, Memphis lost at Temple. SMU's coming along, though. Yeah, th- that's it. That's what they got. They got SMU. That'll be like a rematch game, right? Yeah, hey, SMU's got that win over TCU. Yeah, not too bad. SMU's okay. SMU's undefeated. Remember, they beat, they beat Louisiana Tech on the road on a Hail Mary on the literal last play. SMU probably should be ranked this week. They probably won't be ranked because people don't look at them in that way. But SMU has done enough. If you're undefeated at this point and you've got a couple good quality wins like they do, like they should be ranked, but they're not. I, I don't know that we're taping before the uh, AP poll comes out. I'd be skeptical of their uh, ability to get ranked.
1: I think SF, I think Cincinnati is not going to have that marquee game. But basically, this is it. They win out. They have to win out. They have to be thirteen zero. Yes. And then the committee's yes. either going to do this or they're not. They're going to need help from the other teams, which they're getting uh, to a degree. But and we'll get to one of them that that helped. But if you're looking at Georgia and Alabama, and you're look, they're going to need an Oklahoma to lose, right? They're going to need. You know, someone's coming out of the Big Ten, even with a loss, that many good teams. So, is that spot there or not? Pretty, you know, it is unfortunate they couldn't get one more thing, but I don't know that that data point would necessarily matter in the end. Either, the committee's either going to have the, the stones to do this or not, or that opportunity. And that go, I, do I think Cincinnati could get in the playoff and win a game or win the championship? No, I don't. But you know what? That isn't, that's not what they're trying to do right now. They're just trying to get in. And it would be monumental for that program, and an incredible growth of a program that, for a long time, was absolutely nothing. To get to that stage, it's 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 a testament to decade. I mean, you know, with they Brian Kelly and Mark D'Antonio and Butch Jones and a lot of people, even Tuberville, he's the only one who didn't fail, and he became a senator. Everyone easy wrote that everyone has success when they go through Cincinnati. They've gotten there, so we will see. The equally important thing to happen to Cincinnati was Oregon lost. They Stanford beat some thir- 31-24. They get an un- untimed down on defensive holding at the end of uh regulation, I think. They get they force the OT. Then they win it in overtime. Ducks now have a loss. Now, if we're stacking them up, they they still have a win over Ohio State. So, they have a, you know, if if it's Ohio State and Oregon at the end, they're going to have that advantage. But if if the Ducks lose again, Pac-12 could be knocked out of this thing. We will see. UCLA lost again. I mean, right now, Oregon State is leading the Pac-12 North, I believe. It, the Pac-12 could just uh, cannibalize itself and be out. And that's really what Cincinnati needs to keep winning and sit around and root for chaos. Hope that this type of stuff opens up. And they really need Oklahoma to lose because an underbeat in Oklahoma would be a problem. So you got Red River on that, maybe. Who knows? But they probably need a BYU loss, too, in there. I think they're ahead of BYU. Yeah, I, just think they'll be ahead yeah of BYU. I don't think BYU
2: can catch him, Sully. They have five back twelve games. They have seven Power Five games so they have Baylor and Virginia in there as well, and they do play Boise which still Boise. means something. Yeah, but I, I, that'll be an interesting that'll be an interesting debate. Like right now, BYU may have a better chance than anyone else out west. The here's my conspiracy theory. I know we love conspiracy theories. Right now, the alliance, the big vaunted alliance, which is banded together to hold hands and hold up the playoff for a while. It will be interesting to see how quickly that rhetoric collapses if the ACC doesn't make the playoff, which looks inevitable. The Pac-12's chances are perilous again. Now, somebody from the Big Ten probably going to grind their way in there, but that's that should happen because it's, it's the Big Ten. But they don't have a prayer at multiple teams, and we're assuming the SEC gets multiple teams. So if the whole alliance gets shut out, and you've got these three essentially rookie commissioners parading around, talking about, we didn't like the process. Like, I wonder how quickly they're going to have to eat their penny loafers and just be like, oh, wait, we need teams in the playoffs because the West Coast is rotting of irrelevancy. The ACC, without Clemson, is just completely destined to be dragged to the bottom of the ocean with its terrible television contract. The Big Ten, which should be in a position of power, is inexplicably locked arms with the other two. Right, and it's like and the and the Big Twelve yeah.
1: still thinks it's a major program conference, and it is for now, for now. But that's it. Yes. Once Oklahoma and and Texas are gone, they're not. So you have to grab these these playoff spots. The, and, the, and they shut the Big Twelve out. Remember that was
2: a big part of the alliance. They didn't yeah. want Bob Bowles to be in. They wanted to keep them out. So now they're singing, holding hands, singing, "And we'll all go down together." Like it's it's really setting up to be an epic front-facing fail for guys young in their jobs. And they have really positioned themselves with this alliance and with all this rhetoric to end up with a whole lot of egg on
1: their face. I, I agree. This is We've been saying it all along. Run to these playoff spots. Grab them. Go to 12 quickly. Forget the process. You're not getting a better deal. You have to expand this playoff or you become more and more obsolete. The Big 12 should be doing everything it's possible and the and the Pac-12 and ACC are sitting there teetering right now. And Cincinnati Ugh. could steal their spot. So, it's like bang, that's your that's your if that's your playoff. Georgia, Alabama, you know, let's say let's say Iowa, right? Let's say Iowa wins the be, the Big 10 and Cincinnati, that's your playoff. 3 of your leagues are out. And some years that's at Notre Dame, right? Like Notre Dame's gotten in. It's it's just too easy for your leagues to be out. Now, Cincinnati's going to the Big 12, but it's just, you got to do it. Got to do it. I don't know what these guys are. The delay, the lack of trust. Read the cards. You're playing poker. You don't have to trust the other guys. Read your cards. Play the game. Be like Jimbo Fisher. Know when to hold them and when to fold them and when to take a contract before a bad season when everyone's saying you're killing it. I mean, how bad was that? Lost to Mississippi State. For, AM good. could end up Not. being the seventh best team in the SEC West. In a year they were supposed to make the playoff, and they are rewarded their coach with a, a lengthy $9 million a year contract. And he Yikes. can leave,
2: he can leave for less money than the Starbucks coffee I bought this morning.
1: <laughs> you again. When a coach is going into a season where he's supposed to be great and he agrees to a contract extension, it is a tell. It is a guy checking. If you got the Royal Flush, you go all in. You say, ah, oh, we'll see what we got. I am not surprised. I cracked this code late. Should have bet the under on the a win total. All right, we got to fit this game in because, you know, we love the, uh, just the underbelly and the ugliness of this, the gloriousness too of this sport. And there was really nothing better than watching Vanderbilt celebrate their victory over UConn. Something had to give. Uh, UConn had lost uh, nine consecutive games despite winning the national championship to the New York Times, somewhere in the middle of that. I don't know how that worked, but they did. Vandy had lost eight straight home games. Naturally, it poured. There were, there were just epic plays in this, like, you know, an interception that then fumbled. Ends up 30-28. Vandy wins, setting up the epic 0-5 clashes of UConn and UMass next week. One of the funnier things, I don't know if they figured it out, but last night, the time of the kickoff for UMass-UConn was still TBD. Someone on Twitter pointed out to me because they're not sure if they're going to put it in the CBS Prime game <laughs> or, <laughs> or just say, why are we even playing?
2: <laughs> the flow, the flow sports just... executives are sitting around pondering how to best maximize the window. Put They're it at be, 10 a.m. Be... and every yeah. degenerate would watch. Just put it at 10 a.m. Have like a morning. Where is it? Is it in stores or is it in Amherst or is it in the neutral location of Holyoke where New England United will, will be one day located?
1: It's in a parking lot in a, in a, in yeah, it's a, it's a parking lot behind an abandoned factory in Holyoke. Uh, is that UMass? Yeah. Uh, we could we go. go to the Dan I, Wetzel I,
2: press I, box there.
1: Yeah, really should. I would send one cameraman, remote broadcasters, like just have one one guy with his iPhone, like a FaceTime live. That should be the broadcast of this thing. Anyway, Vandy wins. It was a pretty epic game in the rain. But you know what was fun? Watching Vanderbilt celebrate it. it is, I love it. Like these are these two teams are awful. And next week's going to be just as awful and yet somebody will win. Did you see the flag guy, Dan? Me? I did not. So I did not the, watch this game. I saw. So Van- Vanderbilt
0: scores to go up 10-6 to six in the second quarter, and they're lining up to kick the PAT. The play's about to happen, and the flag guy's just running on the back of the end line of the end zone with the flag. <laughs> Probably could have blocked the PAT if, if he really wanted to with the flag, and they just kick it. All right, well, they made it. 10-6. Ten, ten He's so excited. They don't, I guess they don't score a lot of touchdowns there, so... They haven't practiced the flag uh,
1: celebrating in the end zone too much. But I hope we get the zero zero into overtime next week for UConn, UMass. When I when I as a joke a few years ago, I, I, I called for New England United for UMass and UConn to combine their football programs. It was a joke. Not looking like a bad plan now. Not looking like a bad I plan. I mean,
2: the, <laughs> the athletic directors will meet uh, at that little restaurant next to the Basketball Hall of Fame.
1: Write out a deal on a they can't afford that <laughs> restaurant. That's a nice place. More like a Dunkin' a nice Donuts place. kiosk in, a, in, a, in the <laughs> Shell Station. <laughs> we'll write it out in, uh, on a napkin. We're going to combine <laughs> our teams. Let's get to the uh, small sample Heisman.
0: Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that?
1: We like to hand out the Heisman once a week. We don't like to wait to the end. So, Pete, who wins your small sample Heisman this week. I'm going to give my small sample Heisman to
2: Bo Nix. We live in a an era of advanced statistics and... I guarantee you no player in college football spun more yesterday than Bo Nix did against LSU. He leads the nation in scrambling pirouettes. He led the nation in no, 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 no. Oh my God, did that just happen plays? Bo Nix was a complete marvel to watch in leading Auburn to an upset at LSU. And Bo Nix may be remembered as the coach that sent Ed Orgeron down the spiral of losing his job this year. Bo Nix had 74 yards on 12 runs rushes he had one rushing touchdown he had one unbelievable passing touchdown where he probably ran 60 plus yards behind the line of scrimmage was almost pushed out of bounds ducked jumped up and then tossed a uh tossed like a little uh, a little dump off touchdown pass to tyler from it was just uh, there were more breathtaking Bo nicks, completely undesigned accidental plays than I can recall a player having in a very long time. There were shades of Manziel. People in the press box were saying Archie Manning looked like that when he was in I don't, I don't know. But Auburn had no business winning a football game that they ended up winning. So – Props to Bo Nix. He's obviously had an up-and-down career, and um, it's really been more down than up since that opener against Oregon that he won. And this is a signature win. Auburn had won at LSU since 1999. That was a really cool scene last night at Tiger Stadium. It was like the band, the families, everybody's left, and they are just having a party in the corner of the end zone. And those are the kind of like – Quintessentially cool college moments, all that emotion that goes into an SEC game, and uh, Bo Nix uncorked that man. They they don't do it without him uh, just going cheat code.
1: Mansell Manziel. he had a great uh, great cover of the New Orleans Times Picayune uh, sports page. It just said Nixed, and it had uh, Bo Nix beating LSU. I imagine that shows up on his uh, his wall for the rest of his life. As a pretty cool that, that kind of thing. Great night for for them, uh, Sully. Small sample, Heisman, who you got. Yeah, we, we love some trash talk on the podcast,
0: especially when it's bean pot trash talk. Mm. I'm going to give it to Tennessee running back Tyon Evans. As I mentioned on the podcast last week, he said we're fixing to have some fun against Mizzou. And sure enough, they did. And the 62-24 exorcism in Columbia, Tyon went 15 rushes for 156 yards and three touchdowns. Actually had a fourth called off, and it went to his teammate Hendon Hooker. But third longest rushing touchdown in program history for the balls with a 92-yard scamper. And uh, like I said, I think Tennessee's going to win the beanpot this year, and we're looking pretty good. All right. There I feel go, like Sully, Sully
2: could have run for a buck twenty-five against that Missouri run defense. I feel like Sully could have just Sully's like a scat back.
1: My six 40 yard dash. Yeah, sure. uh, I could probably probably could have made it. Get him out in space, though. You get him in space. Make people miss. Sully was a high school defensive lineman. That's hard for me to imagine. My small sample Heisman, pit quarterback, Kenny Pickett, 23 of 36, 389 yards, four touchdowns. He also rushed for 21 yards as the Panthers defeated Georgia Tech 52 to 21. Pitt is now 4 and 1 and in first place the ACC Coastal Division. Uh, I would not sleep on this team. That's an excellent excellent offense. They got a they got a balanced uh Attack. They got two great running backs. Pretty good defense. A lot of receivers. It's pretty good. And uh, it starts with Kenny Pickett. So uh, congratulations. And I hope you enjoy your small sample Heisman, which we don't actually send you or anything. All right. We've said lots of mean things on this pod, even with Pat not here. Pete actually stopped the pod to say something mean. So let's try. This is our moment of the week where we try to say something nice. Can we do it? Pete, can you say something nice? Or Sully, go go,
2: 1st Sully go
1: first. Mr. Sunshine, Sean Sullivan. Mr.
0: Sunshine here, walking on clouds. I got to give it to the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, late night, 17 fourth quarter points to come back and beat number 18 Fresno State. I was not awake for it, but you got to love it when uh, when you wake up and you see a big Rainbows win way late into the evening. I got to give it all. Hat tip to him after starting, you know, zero and one before most teams have even kicked off. Be able to battle back three and three in the Mountain West. Come on, Rainbows, keep it going. Yeah, I'm going to say something nice
2: about Washington State. They went to Cal on Saturday. They won twenty-one to six. They were obviously dealing with the, the shooting of one of their players uh, that that happened uh, last week in uh, in in Pullman, or maybe a little bit more than a week ago. Washington State entered that game one and three without a whole lot of hope. They got their star tailback, Max Borgie, back. They got their quarterback, Jaden Delora, back. And they went and had a road win in the league that a lot of people didn't think they could do. That's obviously a program that, because of the off-field uh, incident that happened, has been through a lot. That Imagine one of your friends getting shot when you were in college. Like that, that's just got to be a huge drain on everything. So it's a nice, sneaky, good road win for the, uh, for the Cougars at a time when their program is really reeling.
1: All right, I'm going to say something nice about the administrations, the athletic administrations at Colorado State, at Boise State, at San Diego State, I think Air Force, everybody that the AAC batted their eyes out at West, all of the Mountain West programs that had a consideration of going to the AAC. I know there was no invitations made, but there were officially. I mean, that's ridiculous. We didn't invite them. We just, you know, kept trying. They decided to stay in the Mountain West, and good for them trying to chase one more million dollars in a TV deal or a little bit more money. I know you need money, but what you lose is community. You lose rivalries. You lose. What is the purpose of this? Colorado, you know what matters to Colorado State? Play in Wyoming for that boot that they play. Right. The two schools aren't that far apart and all that. Things like that. You know what matters to Boise State playing games in the state of California, not just heading and saying, well, we get a little bit more money, but we're gonna be East Carolina and we're gonna be a temple and we're gonna be in Tulane and Tulsa. Nothing wrong with those programs, but some kind of community. The Mountain West, uh, it was put together in a you know, various ways, but it has a lot of programs a lot of interaction, a lot of people who who or you're in your offices in Denver or Salt Lake or even in California. You got someone else at a different school. You you know, you got house divided. It's great. I like seeing the Mountain West stick together and not just chase every last buck. Um, Mountain West can easily be the fifth best conference. They didn't have to go anywhere. So good on places like Colorado State that did, that did the right thing and stuck where they're at. I usually bash athletic administrations, but on this one, I like the fact that the realignment kind of died there was unexpected a little bit, right, Pete? Yeah, there
2: was a like a real thought that Air Force, because a lot of their students uh, come from the East and come from the South and their players, especially in their football team, don't come from the West. They come from the East, that it made some sense to go. And I think what happened was once Boise and San Diego State said no thanks. They really felt like they'd be on a Western flank. And look, I just think common sense won. A very rare time in college athletics that common sense won out. And now I think it's going to be really intriguing, Dan. The Mountain West all of a sudden has all this momentum. And they really have a strong case that they are the sixth best league. So do you go make a power play and try to take some of the best available in Texas, be it North Texas, be it Rice, UTSA has been SMU. mentioned. SMU, yeah, I don't think. Here's the thing: the, the reason why they were tempted to go to the AAC was that the AAC offers a lot more money. Like their TV deal, the average is about seven million. Uh, the Mountain West deal, the average is somewhere in the in the threes.
1: It's so, not a lot more money, though. It's a little more money. Correct. I know that's percentage. But, it and then they're going to lose some of that because they're losing UCF and you know. But I don't. I don't think that the
2: AAC is vulnerable for poaching all right? And if you're, if you're SMU, you really don't fit in either league, right? Like one's too far west, the other's too far east. So you probably sit back and take the guaranteed money. The interesting thing, if we really want to go like inside baseball conference politics, is that the Mountain West TV deal comes up, I believe in 25. They did a short deal, their last deal. It's not that lucrative, but they have a chance to really cash in. And any decision some of these schools have to make is okay what does the new AAC deal look like and can they keep that 7 million which stretches out to 10 by the end of the deal it's a billion dollar television deal but i don't think when it is refurbished this next time It's going to be that much. That's the big mystery. Nobody, I mean, I was talking to people at the schools considering going. Uh, I've talked to people at the AAC. I've talked to schools in the AAC. Nobody can give a straight answer on what that TV deal is going to look like. And so the Mountain West all of a sudden now looks like a growth stock where the AAC all of a sudden hit this crossroads and got a few rejections and looks like it could be stagnant at the very least. So anyway, Lot of lot of intrigue at that level in, uh, in in college athletics, but at the core of what Dan said, I agree with ten thousand percent. I think that's one of the great say something nicest we've had on this podcast. Like it's the that's water cooler. A, I'm man. a nice
1: guy because I'm the nicest guy. That's why you are the nice. I'm the guy. nicest guy, and and of course I'm going to say the nicest thing. All right, that's our pod. Keep subscribing, share us on social media, send us news tips. We'll be back. Pat will be back midweek show as we preview the next week's action. Talk to you later.